My name is Amanda Newland Davis, and I run Oklahoma Cold Cases along with my partner Jen. At Oklahoma Cold Cases, we try to shine light on the cases of the missing, murdered, and unidentified that otherwise don't get much media attention. For the last four years, we've existed solely on Facebook, sharing the posts of the missing, murdered, and unidentified of Oklahoma. But this past year, we've branched out and started a database in which we list all of the names of every cold case that is in Oklahoma that we are currently aware of. You can find us at oklahomacoldcases.org. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Okay, so today uh, we're going to talk about William Boudry and his ex-wife, Judy Ann Hansen. This is an Ada case, and this case actually went cold for 29 years. William Boudry's murder, and, and if this says anything, it's because it happened in 1980. And our wonderful, colorful cast of characters from... Ada police and prosecution and OSBI, they were all there. So so we're talking OSBI agent Gary Rogers was on this case, which you have heard his name plenty of times before. Peterson, I believe, was in charge when they were doing investigations and it ran cold and eventually Chris Ross is the one that prosecuted it. But so let's tell you a little bit about what happened. Let's start with March 1980. Did you know Jimmy Carter was president then? Aww. Yeah. (laughs) And we're going to hone in on this little small town of Pickett, Oklahoma, which I had someone say we need to explain these small towns better because I guess people who are not from Ada do not know where the hell we are talking about. (laughs) like it matters what are you gonna do go to nate's pit stop and get a pizza yeah. while you're out i mean <laughs> yeah, no. okay sure it's west of ada about 10 miles yeah well and it's i mean it's you could drive right through it and not even know so most of these places are like that anything outside of ada you can basically just drive right through it and you would never know the difference <laughs> yeah so i think we explained asher pretty well on the last episode so and we've explained Have we talked about Latta before? Anyway, so there's Asher, Latta, Pickett, Oil Center, Fitztown, Fitzhugh. uh, There's, what else? What am I missing? Oh, are you kidding me? Vanoss, Bing, Francis, Allen, Stewart. Like, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Rough, if you want to go there. Well, Kanawha and then Latta. We woke up. When the hell did we talk about we woke up? 
Well, we didn't, but it was, I don't think we did talk about We Woke Up specifically, <laughs> but, I, but you would drive that direction, I guess, if you were going to like, say, if you were going out of town from Ada, you'd go that way to get to either Seminole or Conowal or We Woke Up, like whichever direction you decided to go in, whatever. The point is, there's a fuck ton of little towns around Ada, and if you really, really, really just need to know where they are, fucking Google Earth that shit. And Ada's just a booming metropolis for everybody to go to. Everybody's all like, it's only 17,000 people, da-da-da. And I'm like, well, that's just Ada. It's pretty much the whole freaking county comes to Ada if they're not closer to yes. a bigger city, like on the outskirts. So, I mean, technically... It's different. It's a, it's almost like a tourist town. It, yeah. Influx and I don't know. Anyways, I'll shut up. Oh, Stonewall. I miss Stonewall. Uh, but, <laughs> but like everybody comes into town to do things. And even though there's really not that much to do. Like I remember in high school, there was like the movies or you could literally drag Ada. You remember we used to just like drive around the main street block basically <laughs> like everyone <laughs> i didn't really do that i was in the racing scene so we'd go out in the high anyways it's incriminating i want to talk about it <laughs> you play the fifth yeah i was just doing other <laughs> shit when i turned 16 but we'd meet up there we'd meet up there and scope out the other cars like all right i'll take you and like each school had their little like being Ada was on a corner and the kids that smelled like cow shit were on one corner mm -hmm. Stratford and Asher Calvin you know all those they, they oh, each yeah. everybody just kind of had their zones Alan we forgot Alan too <laughs> so yeah there was there's and still there's not a lot to do in Ada these days it's still go to the movies or <laughs> basically find someone's house to hang out to or go to a bar. Uh. <laughs> yeah. March 1980, Jimmy Carter was president. Uh, we're going to take you to Pickett. It's it's not that far outside of Ada and everyone who was involved is from Ada. Former OSBI agent Gary Rogers, who was obviously active at the time, um, found William Boudry's body. Old Captain Lie Detector Test. <laughs> yeah, yeah near the Wilson community on April 28th, 1980. So there was, speaking of Vanoss, there was a Vanoss <laughs> student teacher leading a class on a field trip. Best field trip ever. God. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? No. Well, I mean, that's just, like, this is just apparently how bodies <laughs> are found in, in, in and around Ada. Because you remember, I mean, Daniel Fur was found by Boy Scouts. Yeah. I, this is just how it how it happens. Don't don't go on field trips. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> go on a nature walk. You might help solve a crime. Shit, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> and here we have an oak tree. And here we have oh no. And people ask me like, do you jog or whatever? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't jog. Well, why not? Because it's either the jogger that ends up going missing or finding the dead body. I I don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I walk on a treadmill like a sane person. <laughs> but yeah, so so we had a field trip out there and I have seen on I, I probably scoured like five or six different articles and each article literally said something different. First one said that this the teacher was someone that found the kid the 
dead body. But then in some of them said one child or one kid on the trip found it. And then the group of kids found it. So don't really know exactly how that happened. So they discovered William Boudry's badly decomposed body. And then they called it authorities. Rogers said when he arrived, items were discovered on his body, including a gold ring with the initials WDB. They found that he had been shot in the head with two 22 caliber hollow point bullets, which is usually, I guess, I, I don't know just a whole lot about um, firearms yet. I haven't taken that. Do you want do you, do you to ask me anything? Okay, so isn't that, don't you usually use that with a, like a, it's not a close range weapon that you usually use it with, isn't it? Like, uh, actually, yeah, it is. It's tiny. I could take a picture oh, of it? one and show it to oh, you. But okay. they do have, they do have like 22 calibers, like rifles. They do have bigger guns and then they have little ones. And this was probably like a revolver, more than likely. That would make that yeah that would make sense so yeah but hollow point like you use hollow point bullets when you want to get the job done i mean right yeah or am i, I wrong? kill you and it's not you're right <laughs> about the whole like the close range far away thing because 22 is kind of known for hitting its target and just ricocheting off all the insides kind of thing it's not an entry exit right 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 doodad so anyways yeah that's the one that um they're always like they could possibly be more deadly because they ricochet off of everything when they hit. Real huge in the suicide scene. Oof. No. They said that it was... They determined that it was probably daytime when Boudry had been killed because he still had sunglasses on his face when they found him. They also determined, because he was pretty badly decomposed, that he'd been out there for at least several weeks when he was finally found. They sent off dental records to the medical examiner's office in Oklahoma City and confirmed that it was William Boudry. And then they sent off the bullets found to a man named Tom Jordan, who was the OSBI deputy director at the time. And he examined them and he said that he thought that they were 22 caliber long rifle high velocity rounds, which is weird. Why? I don't know. He didn't elaborate. But, but I mean, it says here that he was shot at close range. Like, they determined that he was shot at close range. So, <laughs> I don't know why he said that. Well, but. it's the, like, like I was talking about, it depends on how much firepower is behind it. A lot of times you could, a twenty-two is like, you, you take an animal down with it, and country people are going to use it to keep varmints out of their yard and their trash and whatever. It's one of those. Yeah. I've used a twenty-two before, and I can say that I've never used them in anything long-range, high-velocity rifles. It's always been some sort of handgun. <laughs> but, so, I don't know. But also, apparently, whoever did this had hid his body under a weathered piece of sheet metal. Ah. I guess, like, I mean, you probably had to be really poking around out there to find him under there. Exactly. I mean, what do you want? Tetanus? <laughs> Get off of it. <laughs> yeah, like... What kind of what kind of nature are you looking for? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're in the middle of a field and you're like, oh, there's some sheet metal. Let's see what's growing under there. It's the, You're looking for the elusive tin mushroom. <laughs> it's definitely know. not psychedelic. No. <laughs> 
they started looking into, like you do, the people around Boudry. They went and questioned his, he had a girlfriend at the time, he had a couple of kids, he had an ex-wife. So they went and started digging into his past. They found that he had divorced a woman named Judy Hansen in 1979 but for some reason like because this was 1980 it was a year later they were still living together and apparently they had a volatile relationship not only were they living together but he was also dating someone else (laughs) he was actually dating a woman named betty noble at the time and noble she was because i ain't dating no man that's living with his (laughs) fucking ex-wife and she knew it so right nah (laughs) Like what? I, no. no, yeah. Be like, man, no. she gotta go. She gotta get get out of here. <laughs> Betty Noble eventually told him that she was she was dating Boudry at the time of his death. She said she was at his house in 1980 when his ex-wife Judy Hansen called, and she said one evening she was at her house. She overheard a comment where she heard Boudry say over the phone, "I found what I want." Noble testified that during that call, Hansen had told Boudry that she would kill him before she would ever give him up to anyone else. Sounds like a man's brain, but okay. Red red flag though, right? And that was actually the last time that Betty Noble would see her boyfriend alive. We in the bookworm industry call this foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Seems ominous, but whatever. (laughs) That's strange. Hmm, let's not think about it till later. <laughs> so Judy Hansen told Gary Rogers that on Saturday, March 8th, 1980, she and Boudry, and this would be about a month before he was found, she and Boudry visited friends in Stratford. There's another one of those little towns. Then went shopping in Oklahoma City. And after returning to Pontotoc County, they visited the Coachlight Club. Familiar. Where have we heard the Coachlight Club before? Apparently, everyone in the 80s went to the Coachlight Club. Well, I mean, it was the village of the 80s. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a place to That's be. Where you go. So, anyway, Hanson said that they had gone to the Coachlight, that they hung out there for a while. Eventually, after they closed, they went home. She said that they returned to their home and then apparently when they got home, after being out at the bar all night, Boudreaux was just like, oh, you know what? I'm I'm out. And packed his bags and said that he was leaving. <laughs> Didn't tell her where he was going or what he was doing, according to her. Just packed some shit and left. And then she said that she told Rogers that she had never saw him yeah, after that. They didn't they didn't get into a fight or anything. A man just up and leaves when he's drunk, that's what he does. Yeah. Just packed his shit and was like, All right, I'm out. I think I'm gonna go die in a field somewhere rather than be with you. <laughs> Apparently, uh, this is just about all the investigating that took place <laughs> in 1980. <laughs> Which, it's sad, but I mean, I have looked through, I have, we have a field reporter now, da da da. But anyway, so I had sent her to try to find some stuff at like the historical society and stuff like that. And she didn't find any more than I did online. And I found like four or five articles from like news on nine news nine and the daily Oklahoma. And of course the Ada news.com and 
stuff like that. But uh, from what I have gathered from putting all this information together, that was it. That's all that happened in 1980. <laughs> they were just like, well, I guess we can't figure it out. Okay, bye. What, what, what was the, what's the opposite of a try hard? Because that's what we're dealing with. What, whatever, yes. whatever that would be. It's the opposite. Just like, I gave it my best shot. I'm out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> he probably just ran away because you're fucking crazy. How many, how many ex-husbands had she accrued at this point? How come she went by all these different last names? AKA Judy Black. Uh, aka judy blah remarried after okay yeah yeah but boudry was her first husband yeah but that still leaves one at large oh no yeah no yeah there's four last names <laughs> yeah <laughs> red light green light <laughs> no, no 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 i'm sorry i believe boudry was her second husband i think hazlet was her first husband folger was her third husband and then Hanson was her fourth husband. This is my favorite show about hoarding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she was married four times. Boudry, yeah, being her second one. When I pulled up her picture, I thought she looked really familiar, like super familiar. But I think it's because she looks like that lesbian coach from that show where they all sing all or sing. Maybe they sing all the time. Yeah. That blonde coach. You know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. I damn sure do. And yes, you're right. Her name is Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. She looks like Jane Lynch. (laughs) District Attorney Chris Ross said during the original investigation that Hanson had told officials that she had purchased a 22 caliber handgun from a pawn shop on West Main in Ada, though investigators have an official record of the transaction from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. The weapon was never found, so they were just like, meh. (laughs) Didn't do anything else. That was it. They were done. (laughs) Jump to 28 years later because this case went cold for 28 years. What the fuck are we doing? We care. So in August 2007, Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation Special Agent Gary Perkinson reopened the case into Boudry's murder after receiving some new information. This new information came from who, you might ask? Well, it came from David Lee Vaught, who was married to Judy's sister, Aletha. David reportedly confessed to a friend in 2007 that he knew who murdered Boudry. So he reportedly told his friend that Hanson, Judy Hanson, had called him and his wife, which was Judy's sister, and confessed to them. The friend, whoever this friend may be, is a good friend because this is what we do. We call and report things to the OSBI and tell them what we heard. These are called tips. Do it. Thank you. You know what? He was probably, this David guy was probably like, I'm not telling you to turn her in. But if you wanted to, I know a lady who killed a guy. <laughs> that way he wasn't he wasn't the bastard, but he told his friend to turn him in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, and and that might actually be the case because apparently his wife Aletha, apparently both of them were quote unquote kind of crazy. Is that why they got a divorce? <laughs> yeah, in like two thousand six or seven, yeah, David and Aletha had gotten a divorce. Well, when this friend turned in this information to OSBI, they went to David Vaught and they asked him, 
like about it what was going on and what she had said to him at first they didn't know if they wanted to take him seriously because he was basically telling on his ex-wife now that it was like it was like a fresh divorce they thought that maybe this was some sort of like retribution or something like a scorned lover kind of thing yeah and he was like no listen i just couldn't get away from her long enough to tell anybody because apparently she was like really like overbearing and really jealous and like all this stuff and so they asked him they're like okay well can you tell me what you heard judy say what did she say to you whatever and he said and i quote she said i just killed boudry can you bring the pickup to oklahoma and help me move the body to wyoming (laughs) he said um i told her that i don't know what you're talking about that sounds crazy i'm not gonna do that he told her well if 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 that's true if you really did just kill somebody then you need to probably just like go turn yourself in or at least seek counseling (laughs) yeah it's something too late for you (laughs) you need to talk to somebody about your volatile (laughs) feelings (laughs) so david vaught said hansen told him that because they asked him they're like well did she tell you how she killed him and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, she told she told me the whole thing. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what did she say? Judy Hansen told David that she lured William Boudry to the woods by telling him that if he went out to the woods with her, she would have sex with him in the me- middle of this vacant field. <laughs> Nothing says romance like critters staring at mid-coitus. <laughs> what was wrong with your house? What's wrong with your house or your car? She got him out there somehow, but she says it was because, yeah, she was like, I'll fornicate you in the woods. You guys like, need oh, to hell be yeah. careful with your sexual prowess. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let's lure a man out into the woods and promises of giving him your special treat. Fuck. <laughs> Weird. And they were like divorced at this time. So yeah. he's like, okay. Oh, yeah. But I mean, and they were still living together, so it was already weird anyway. I don't know. Yeah. And he was dating that other woman, so it's double weird. And he had another house. He had another house somewhere where he was working. It's a, it's a very strange one, I'll say that. Like, yeah. What a tangled web we weave. <laughs> Look around, Judy. <laughs> so she said that um, while they were walking in the woods, I guess going to their favorite sex spot. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like you do. Hanson was walking behind Boudry and shot him in the back of the head. She told David and Aletha that she then threw the gun off of some random bridge on her way back to town and disposed of some gloves and a dumpster behind a business in town and that was that. Since it's on that side of town, she probably went to Sandy Creek. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. Someday we're going to tell you all about all the weird things that happens with Just the Sandy nothing Creek. nothing but a Sandy Creek episode. <laughs> through, through Sandy Creek, all things are possible, so jot that down. Well, actually, I, I do have, like, I have a list that's, like, talking point lists, like, victims and, and whatnot. And literally right in there in the middle, it just says Sandy Creek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do a, a murder podcast about Ada and not mention Sandy Creek. Yeah, no. Anyway. So, Special Agent Gary Perkinson devised a plan to get Judy and her sister talking about the murder. So David Vaught not only testified to that later, but he actually helped authorities uncover evidence to use against Hansen by making phone calls to his ex-wife and Judy 
and recording those conversations. <laughs> the first call he initially had, he called her under the guise of, hey, I just wanted to warn you that this murder case for Boudry is being reopened by the OSBI. And along with recordings of those conversations, they placed a wiretap on Hansen's telephone. They started just recording, like, as much as they could to try to get something about this murder from them. Agent Perkinson said it became obvious by their conversations that Aletha knew about the murder because at one point she was actually recorded saying and i quote that motherfucker got what he deserved that's what i'll tell you and that's what i'm gonna say q earl had to die right <laughs> like but but why because that's that's the crazy thing though is that other than boudry leaving judy there was nothing to indicate that he was threatening her in any way or that he was violent to her in any way. Like, there was no police reports. Nobody said that he ever, like, beat her or did anything to her. All he did was just divorce her. And she stayed. <laughs> and she was like... And he got a girlfriend yeah. and she stayed. And he got another house and she stayed. So at this point, why is anything... Yeah, why is anything his fault? I mean, it sound, that sounds like desperation. No, it's absolutely not. Yeah, no. In those recorded conversations... Eventually, they submitted those conversations to a grand jury, along with testimony. It was those recorded conversations that convinced, eventually, both a state grand jury to issue an indictment for, guess who? Judy Hansen. It took them 18 months. It took the grand jury 18 months. So, those of you who don't know what an indictment is... This is a great time to explain that to you. Okay, so you've heard of an arrest warrant and you've heard of an indictment. They're kind of the same thing, except that when you are charging someone with a, something that, that could be charged with capital punishment, you have to legally submit it to a grand jury and they have to come back with an indictment. So it's basically a trial before a trial. Because anything that you do in that trial to get an indictment with that grand jury is not public at all. You cannot get minutes. You cannot see court reporters' uh, notes. Like, there is nothing on that. It's all closed to the public. If that grand jury, which is usually like 6 to 12 people decides that there is enough evidence they will issue an indictment which is just basically a arrest warrant but for a capital crime so it took them 18 months they got their indictment on judy hansen eventually when she had her trial they like straight up found her guilty chris ross said they were damning those recordings it was obvious to everyone Judy Hansen had murdered William Boudry, and for 29 years, she and her sister had been sharing this secret. I don't know why. I, I would really love to know why Aletha didn't get some sort of charge in this. Aiding and abetting, or... You know what I mean? Like, she knew about it. That might have been part of David's agreement, trying to get her and what's-her-tits to confess. You know what I mean? Like, it might have just been... 
he might have been like, me yeah. and her, like, she and I stay safe and out of this. We didn't want shit to do with this. I don't know. Yeah. That, that would be a really long 29 years. A multi-county grand jury in Oklahoma indicted Aletha that same year on one count of perjury. And that's it. But but they said that they, they did that because she lied to the grand jury about the phone calls when they called her in to testify about them. Like in Judy yeah. Hansen's case. She was like, yeah, that never happened. And they were like, uh, we recorded it, idiot. <laughs> um, so this this isn't you on this tape right here? Hits play. Um, he got yeah. what he deserved. Yeah. He's a bastard and a traitor. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like you, Aletha. So the details that came to light during the trial of Judy Hansen. So Betty Noble, who was Boudry's girlfriend at the time, had a relationship with him. She was asked if she knew that Boudry was actually living with Hansen at the time. Ooh. She said, he told me that they had a living, quote unquote, like, arrangement. So I don't, I think that means, uh, fuck no. <laughs> but, you know. No, I mean, I think she probably knew, but he, because he had another house. And so if he's playing this field, if he's getting this girlfriend and then the ex-wife won't leave, maybe she's going to take him for a bunch of money or maybe she's threatening him in some way. You know what I mean? So it's like they have a living arrangement as in he works somewhere during the week and he's at that other house on the weekend and she stays there or something. You know, like he probably downplayed it maybe yeah actually that that could be very true because i know that he had a kid with judy hansen and he had another kid with another woman so just out here spreading it yeah he had two girls yeah so i mean i can kind of understand why judy was like man fuck this dude he's such a player but i mean we don't kill people over that so (laughs) probably once again this libido yeah they asked her uh, she went on to testify that shortly after his death, Boudry had invited her and her little boy over to his trailer where he was living during the week while he worked. She said that she overheard him having that heated conversation with someone on the phone where he said, I found what I wanted. She said that she assumed that he was speaking with Judy and that he was basically telling her, like, this is it. We're done for good because... I'm with Betty now, and she's what I've wanted the whole time. Apparently that upset Judy. Boudry told Noble that the phone conversation was with his ex-wife, and that his ex-wife told him right then and there that she would literally kill him before she'd give him up to anyone else. Number one, we are trying to tear down this stereotype that all women are fucking batshit, (laughs) and you're not helping the cause at all, Judy. William Boudry had a daughter named Sheila Hazlett, who was 15 years old. I'm sorry, a stepdaughter, who was 15 when her stepfather was found dead. When Boudry disappeared, she had said that her mother was, like, really depressed, wouldn't talk to anybody, and that when she asked her about it, she said that Boudry had left her for good. (laughs) She wasn't lying. Yeah, so, I mean, 29 years. This it just doesn't seem like it would take that much police work to have solved this in 1980. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But this could have been solved 28 years prior. You know what I mean? Michelle Boudry, who was William Boudry's 
daughter, waited for someone to put her father's killer behind bars and relieve her grief, and then on August 31st, as Boudry watched her former stepmother, Judy Ann Hansen, led away in shackles, that became a, a real thing for her. Chris Ross said he was barely out of law school when Boudry was killed, but through the years he had heard rumblings about the unsolved case and suspicion that the man's former wife may be to blame, but he never did anything about it, apparently. He was just like, oh, that's weird. And <laughs> went on with his life. <laughs> I mean, Boudry just clearly didn't know anybody on the police force or in, you know, oh, yeah. the judicial system there. Because, yeah. I mean, if, if you matter, they'll turn over every stone exactly or every piece of tin in the field or whatever so three decades hansen became a well-known member of the ada community all of this time she's just out like living her life being a good person actually she really she really was being a good person yeah she um she remarried obviously she opened a bridal shop downtown i don't know what it was called <laughs> you're cursed now bitch <laughs> <laughs> come get a fucking uh, wedding dress from the lady who killed her husband fourth husband tenth <laughs> husband whatever Jesus can you imagine the juju she put on these poor women I exactly it's like fucking Dr. Phil's been married like five times I'm like how's that advice working for you bud but she she did work with several charities and she she gave money at Christmas she dressed up as Mrs. Santa Claus and delivered gifts to kids I I think that that was a guilt thing though I don't think that was like out of the goodness of her heart I mean it could have been but I I don't think that I don't know she just she doesn't look crazy she looks kind of precious he looks like a dick. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a player, it, really. A yucky, skeezy player. But also, she was, at the time that she was arrested, she was working as a radio advertising executive at KADA for a local radio yeah. station. So, I mean, she was, like, really well-known. And then they were like, I'm sorry, what? She did what, 30 years ago? Yeah. So, co-workers, friends, and even her second husband rallied behind her during her trial many asked the judge for leniency at her sentencing hearing and said that she well and here's the thing too she always professed her innocence like from day one until the minute that they brought back a guilty verdict she was like no it wasn't me i'm innocent even though i bought the gun that was probably killed him it wasn't me but at her sentencing she said that she thought Boudry may have been killed by another woman or another woman's jealous husband or boyfriend because William Boudry was a player like we were just talking about. She said she would never have hurt him because quote unquote, she loved him so much and they never found the gun. They never had a murder weapon. This is another one of those. Honestly. I mean, if we want to look at it impartially, we could say that this is just another Ada case that was that's tried on confessions. And this time it wasn't even a confession from her herself, but a confession from her sister being taped. But I mean, even those tapes never said, oh yeah, she did it. Like those tapes, her sister was like, no, he got what was coming to him. Like that's really all that she ever said. But somehow they still convicted her on on just a confession, basically, alone. Like, they didn't have any DNA 
at the scene. They didn't have hair. They didn't have blood. They didn't have fingerprints. They had no evidence. Like saying, saying he got what was coming to him does not mean that her sister killed him. You know what I mean? Or that she killed her. That doesn't fucking mean anything. Because my my stepfather died, and I think he got what's coming to him. But that doesn't mean anybody killed him. And also, if you're going to record someone, and out of the two people that you record, the one you're looking at is Judy, but yet her sister is the one that says he got what coming what what is coming to him, not Judy. I'd be like, well. Why aren't we looking at the sister though? Because maybe she killed him. Maybe I mean No, she lived remember she lived in fucking Idaho. But I mean, if you're trying to be, you know, impartial, you can go, well, why are we these this is just basically all hearsay. Judy hasn't actually said anything herself. We don't have any evidence yeah. on her. I'm I'm really Nobody said anything besides the scorned ex-husband. And that was the scorned ex-husband of her sister. So I honestly am not quite sure how they even brought about an indictment because it really seems like there wasn't just a whole lot of evidence to go off of here. Because see, we got a hold of the indictment. We, we have the actual indictment. I'm going to see if I can put the indictment on our Facebook page as well. So that, I mean, if you guys just are nosy, <laughs> like we are, you can get on there and look at the indictment yourself. During her trial, the jury had listened to the wiretapped phone conversations between Hanson and her sister in court. And after about two and a half hours of deliberation, they went ahead and found her guilty. She was 63 years old when they found her guilty. Found her guilty in first-degree murder in the death of her ex-husband, William Boudry. The jury recommended Hanson serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. But Hansen was actually sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. For me, the beginning of this case would have been like a open and shut, I would think, kind of case. Like, usually when you have any kind of murder, the first person that you look at is the ex, whatever, ex-husband, ex-lover, even husbands or wives or, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, such as that goes but so I mean the second that she admitted that she yes had bought a 22 caliber because they found the records of it at this pawn shop and then all of a sudden it was missing oh yeah I purchased it but it's disappeared since then <laughs> someone must have I don't know taken it or I must have misplaced a fucking handgun I'd have been like lady come yeah. on <laughs> that's why I wanna that's why I wanna see like what the hell she had to say about it in the proceedings. It's like you could if you're innocent, you could easily I shouldn't say easily, you just make yourself look sketchy either way. It's a lose lose. She had her fucking ass in a corner because I mean you don't just lose your gun if it was a rifle, especially like I'm just go and pitch it off a bridge. Not only that, I mean she said it was a handgun, but she admitted to throwing it off of that bridge. Admitted to it. So... So... Where's the... Yeah. <laughs> so I would be like, okay, well, which bridge? And they asked her that. They were like, well, which bridge did you throw it off? And she was like, oh, I don't remember. Just, you know, a bridge back there somewhere. 
It's like, you and I both know, we know pretty much every single bridge, even the Backroads bridges in Ada. Like, you- Especially the Backroads bridges. Yeah, you, you know. You know what fucking bridge you threw it off of. And regardless of if it was still there, at the time, it would have only been months after his death. So it, they probably would have had a good chance of, you know, recovering it, but- you know, you know what bridge you <laughs> Maybe not 30 years later, but I mean, if it's, if you murdered someone with it, you, you for sure would. I'm just saying. What was your reason? <laughs> Why the hell did you do Like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this. <laughs> I just bought it and it sucks. I am getting rid of it. Instead of reselling it to a pawn shop or selling it, you know what I mean? Like, she was just like, nope, I'm done. I think 22s are for <laughs> fucking hand-me-downs from your great-grandpa. That's cool. It's whatever. I don't know why you bought it in the first damn place, but to throw it off a bridge rather than go back and pawn it. And this is obviously a woman who didn't know much about firearms. I mean, you don't know what gun is gonna kill someone more efficiently and you can't just be like hey pawn shop guy could you tell me which one would murder my husband <laughs> the easiest <laughs> you know so i mean she probably didn't know what gun to get or to not to get but for her to just throw it off the bridge and be like well i didn't want it anymore okay well you sell it you don't just it's just dumb so i mean i would have had whatever i could do at the time i don't know if like why your taps are illegal or whatever but i would have had her followed like i would have found that evidence like eventually she would probably have especially after it being investigated she probably would have gone back to that bridge and seen if that gun was still there uh, this is just another one of those that i think was just handled poorly again was it handled at all <laughs> <laughs> no yeah well i mean but that's a that's how a lot of them are they're just like oh Either they're like, this guy standing to my left, random person, did it. Let's put him behind bars. And then they just forget about it. Or they're just like, meh, we gave it our best shot. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, though, for, for this little episode, I wanted to include, because we were talking about statute of limitations a little bit, which I know that these are not all, I don't think, of the statute of limitations, but I wanted to kind of mention some Oklahoma statute of limitations that we may not be aware of for our listeners. What is a statute of limitations? Well, that means after a crime has been committed, how many years can legally go by without uh, a charge in the case? There can only be so many years and then it doesn't matter anymore, basically. There is no statute of limitations on murder. But bribery embezzlement, misappropriation of public money or other assets, falsification of public records, conspiracy to defraud the state or other subdivision, rape, forcible sodomy, lewd or indecent proposals. There's a statute of limitations on rape. Oh, what the fuck? Okay, continue. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, and actually, we have a longer statute of limitations than a lot of other states, really. Because New York City is five years, I believe. And here, all of these ones that I just read you okay. are seven years. 
and that that includes rape, forcible sodomy, lewd or indecent proposals, acts against children, crimes against minors in porn, sodomy. So yeah, those are all seven years. So basically, if you get raped, you only have seven years to come forward against your rapist or they can't be convicted. However, here's something that you may not know. So let's say that you have a rapist who rapes like he does and you are his victim and you decide that you don't want to go to the police for like three years for whatever reason that you decide. You decide for three years or maybe even you get butt up real close to the statute of limitations which is seven years you're like six years in and then you're like you know what i i think that i want to go ahead and go to the police on this okay so you go to bring charges against this person but they have left the state and turns out that they left the state immediately after your rape okay well what are you to do so you only have a year left of your statute of limitations. You don't know where this person went and you don't know when they're coming back. So what are you supposed to do about it? Well, here's a nice little tidbit. If that person leaves the state for literally any reason after he has committed this crime, it basically pauses your statute of limitations. Your statute of limitations is now paused literally until he comes back into the state. It was like a rape timeout. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. Because, I mean, it could be one year. It could be seven years. It could be 40 years. The minute that he gets back into that state, even if it's 40 years later, if he's been gone from Oklahoma for that long, the minute he comes back, the timer restarts. So if he's gone for a year and he leaves the state, let's say 10 years because your statute of limitations is, is seven. A year and then he leaves the state for 10 years. That's 11 years and you're thinking, well, statute of limitations is seven years, but he left the state for 10 of those years. So you technically have another six years right. where you could bring charges against him once he comes back into that state. So that's just a little tidbit that you should know. Any of those things that I just mentioned, then I want to mention criminal conspiracy, criminal state tax income violations. Those have a five-year statute of limitations. All other misdemeanors are three years. And also, when it comes to rape as well, like, let's say he doesn't leave the state and you're at your six years or whatever. But let's say you did go in and do a rape kit. You just never uh, press charges or anything. If you present that DNA evidence you decide that you want to charge him for that. That, any sort of DNA evidence will extend your statute of limitations by three years. So that's also nice as well. There you go. Anyway, uh, I had somebody asking me the other day, like what statute of limitations were and how that worked and all that stuff. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that real quick. Plus, we haven't taught you anything for a while, listeners. So... <laughs> <laughs> Pepper spray is $10 in the automotive section at Walmart, and if you're a girl, you can get a bedazzled one to put on your keychain. I, I have a pepper spray on my keychain. Be cool like me. It's not pink or bedazzled, but... Oh, it's not? <laughs> you're fucking lame. No. Why is yours? <laughs> no, I don't need one because I'm fucking crazy, but... 
<laughs> You're going to wish I pepper sprayed you. I fucking promise. I would really actually like to, because um, with my my training or whatever, like, obviously you learn how to use a firearm because I'm, I'm going to get phase four. But they also offer a, like, hand-to-hand women's self-defense thing that you can just, like, take as an extra. And why the fuck would yeah, you Yeah, I think that, you should. Right? I really think you should. There's there's a whole lot of things yeah. that they teach you that stuff that you would never necessarily think about, and it's stuff that it, it will come to your mind immediately. And everyone out there should do that as well. Why not? Take some self-defense classes. Close quarter contact. <laughs> <laughs> Close quarter combat is one of my very fucking favorite things. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's do this. I love it. But I've had so many, so many friends and everybody like go through, you know, go through cleat and go through the military and all that shit. We just, I think it's really good to just have a grown man tackle you and see if you can get out of it sometimes and that's that's the thing ladies you don't have to be fucking strong to come out on top you just have to be smarter not necessarily stronger like if someone grabs you by the wrist you twist your wrist where their thumb and their finger meet twist it out that way hardly anybody i mean if you try hard enough and you've got adrenaline going and you're scared you can move Mm -hmm. fucking mountains i promise you you know what just go take a damn class just take a class you know how to do the electric slide (laughs) and the cha-cha and all that i mean mark that off the list now go learn how to defend yourself the one thing that i did learn uh when he was teaching me all this defense stuff was that if you are smaller like you don't have to be like like you just said you don't have to be strong um it's basically using their own body movement to your advantage like whichever way they are moving that is the way you're going to grab and keep them moving in that same direction because it'll throw them off. You don't want to push at them because they're going to be ready for that. And they're already coming at you. You want to grab them and keep them, accelerate them into going the way that they're already going and throw them off balance. But yes, take some defense classes, self-defense, carry pepper spray. Then I guess we'll catch you guys on the next cast. Bye! You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?